Welcome to a special edition of Packaging News Weekly. I am Adam Peek, the packaging pastor. You can find me on LinkedIn, search for Adam Peek, P-E-E-K, or online at Packaging Pastor on TikTok or www.packagingpastor.com. Today I am joined by Camille Cor Chisholm, and Camille is an industry expert in the packaging industry and she is a consultant. She's been in the industry for over 30 years and we tackle the ever pressing issue of supply chain issues that are impacting the packaging industry today. So please, 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 this is a critical, critical conversation for where we're at. Uh, You can reach out to Camille. Her contact information is on there as well. Uh, She is at indigopkg.com. I-N-D-I-G-O-P-K-G.com. You can also find her on LinkedIn, Camille Cor, C-O-R-R, Chisholm, C-H-I-S-M. So here's my conversation with Camille. Hey, everybody. We are live here on LinkedIn, YouTube, and Facebook. And uh, I get to be joined by one of my favorite people in the packaging industry, uh, Camille Cortism. I'm going to have Camille introduce herself here in a second, but just to give a quick uh, update on what we're doing here today on this Friday for LinkedIn Live, YouTube Live, Facebook Live streaming, um, is we're going to be talking about the supply chain crisis. When I say we are talking, I mean everybody, all of you. So first of all, if you can do me a favor, Um, If you are uh, watching this live on any of the platforms on LinkedIn, on YouTube, or on Facebook, can you just go ahead and drop a comment in? Where are you you tuning in from? So are you, like I'm in Salt Lake City, Utah, but I'm rocking all my Nuggets gear today? Mile High, Mile High City, the Denver Nuggets did clinch a playoff spot last night, and uh, Nikola Jokic is the greatest basketball player on the planet right now so that's exciting for me i'm a before i was a packaging nerd i was a denver nuggets diehard and i still am to this day 1988 is when i fell in love with the denver nuggets so it's been it's been a while did you know that camille that i've been a nuggets fan for that long no i did not i knew you were big into basketball but i did not know of your love affair for decades with the denver nuggets yeah it's uh it's it runs it runs deep it's been a struggle it's been a struggle to be a Nuggets fan, but we got to celebrate our, our little moments. So uh, welcome, everyone. Hey, if you're able to watch this live, um, you know, please go ahead. And so we know who's here. I don't know if anyone's here or not. This will be recorded as well. And so you can be interacting with this throughout the day on LinkedIn. Um, and we'll, I'll be checking in. Camille will be checking in on comments as questions come up. So Camille, why don't you do a quick introduction? Sure. First of all, Adam, thanks for having me. Adam is the packaging King, the, he's royalty in the packaging world. Okay, my name is Camille Corchism. I have about 30 years, a little bit over 30 years of industry experience in packaging. Michigan State and RIT packaging. So, you know, shout out to those schools. And um, I started consulting. I have a consulting firm called Indigo Packaging and Consulting. I have experience in all sorts of areas food, pharma. Um, sales, a little bit of everything, technology, but I landed in automotive. So I would say right now I'm in Detroit. Most of my business is automotive related. I love every day of it, every minute of it, 
you know, everything needs packaged and it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, everyone needs to, if if you haven't already connected up with uh, Camille, you can find her on LinkedIn. I, there's probably not a whole lot of Camille core Chisms. Uh, you are, in my book, you're one of a kind, but I would imagine in the LinkedIn book, you are probably also one of a kind. You know, oddly enough, I have an identical twin and identical twin daughter. So apparently I'm <laughs> very clonish, but. Well, are they the same yes. name though? No, no, okay. no, no. I'm definitely the only Camille Core Chisholm. There it is. There it is. Uh, I uh, also have identical twin sisters. Did you know that? I do remember you saying that. Okay. And tell them it does not skip a generation. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll, I'll let them know. I have one sister who has four kids and and no, no identical twins. So. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. All right. All right. Well, uh, Lisa and Kristen, if you ever watch or listen to this, then uh, pay attention. Apparently, identical twins did not skip a generation with Camille. So, uh, hey, let's get into uh, the topic that we want to discuss. And and like I said, if you are able to tune in live, um, please just like let us know where you're tuning in from. Uh, you know, city, state, country, wherever it might be. Um, if you're watching this uh, on recording or if you're listening to it, uh, you can still comment on the video on Facebook, on YouTube, on LinkedIn, and we'll try to jump in and uh, say what's up and answer some comments. So uh, this isn't your only shot to uh, interact with us here. Um, so listen, Camille, I'm sure that you have felt this also. The, the, the impact on the packaging industry from the supply chain crisis is, I would say, I mean, it's very, very real. It is, it is a massive problem. It's causing a lot of big problems. And those problems are not going to be wished away for sure. So, you know, a couple of, a couple of statistics that are true as of today, which is April 8th, 2022. If you're listening to this in the future, this, that's, that's the timestamp. Um, but, uh, a couple of, a couple of numbers. So, um, you know, just think about like in inflation, right? We're, we're experiencing in the U S and, and probably likely around the world, this, this rapid rise in inflation, the consumer price index is up like seven and a half percent on food and energy, which means it's it's costing us more money to to live and power our homes. And it's costing us more money to live and power our bodies and and our kids. And, you know, there's just a lot of there's a lot of real price pressure on, you know, lower middle class American families. And and it's typically those people who are working in the jobs that really drive America. So in my industry, it's, you know, press operators and rewinders and, you know, people who work in, in shipping and, and, and they do this incredible work. I mean, to run a flexo press is, is hard. It's, it's really difficult. And, um, and there's a labor shortage. People are being asked to do way more with way less. You know, it was, it started with COVID, and and now with with you know the war in Ukraine and um, the global pressure that that's creating, along with tariffs that have happened with international trade, it's just a, it's this, I'd call it an unprecedented time, at least in my career. I know you said you've been in the business for over thirty years. I'm over fifteen. Um, you know, I the pulp and paper index. If you're not, if you haven't received price increases on folding cartons on 
Hey, what's up, Mohammed from Detroit, Michigan? Thanks for uh hey, shout out to Detroit. Hi, Mohammed. Shout out to Detroit. Uh, thanks for thanks for tuning in, Mohammed. Appreciate you coming. If you ever have if you have any questions or comments, feel free to drop them in here and we'll uh we'll we'll try to address them as we go. So uh pulp and paper is up like 33, 35% uh year over year. Uh polypropylene has been fairly steady, but even that's up 15%. Uh the cost of aluminum is like 78% uh, growth. You've got Ball raised their minimum order quantities to five truckloads for cans. I could just keep going on and on. There's a there's a paper, there's a mill strike in Finland that's causing label materials to, I mean, when I say like, not just like, oh, the lead time's long. I mean like semi-gloss paper labels and paper liner are in danger of not being available in a few months. Like, yeah. Not like, oh, you're, you know, they're, you're behind the line. You're behind some big company. Literally, they will not be able to be purchased. <laughs> like, and that's, that's one of the most common PS labels. So it's crazy, Camille. It's very sobering. I mean, because you think of everything that uses labels and, you know, we've, we've dealt with what we thought were shortages. And even last year, I was hearing rumblings that things were going to get worse you know, that this domino effect was really snowballing. Mm -hmm. And now it's like we've hit this apex. And I agree, this is unprecedented. I've never seen anything like this. I can't find anything like this in packaging history. Um, it's it's just, it's really sobering. And I think, you know, last year, my friends and family thought I was just being one of those prepper people. But <laughs> now they're kind of like, so what, did, what was that you like, said again? Hey, Camille, uh, <laughs> you got... Remember that stuff you were stocking up on? Yes. <laughs> yes. Can we get someone? Hey, shout out to uh, Dustin tuning in here. Good morning from Minneapolis. Hey, in Lansing. Michigan native. Hey, welcome another Michiganian. Michigan. And look at that connection. So Dustin's in Minneapolis. Myers. Um, can't see or hear, Corey says. That's interesting. Can anyone not see or hear us? That's super weird. Um, sorry, Corey. But Dustin can, so shout out to Dustin. Um, anyone else having this problem? Can't see or hear. Uh, hope most people came. Corey says, "Have a great show." Let me see. Uh, let me see what's going on here, real quick. I'm gonna try to tune in just here on my uh, on my phone and see what's going on. So, who can hear us? If you can hear us, give us a thumbs up or wave or something, so we can get an idea. Huh. Yeah, it looks like it's uh it was up and it's just I'm just getting the the spinning wheel of death on my mobile phone. Oh, we must have said something that we should have said. <laughs> Maybe when I talked about being a prepper, I don't know. Oh yeah, it looks like we got a dark screen. Uh can't see, but we can hear for now. That's crazy. I wonder what's going on with that. Um uh, can't see the show audio, but no visual. Well, hey, welcome to your live uh, audio podcast. I'm your host, Adam Peak, with Camille Gorgeous. Hi. Oh man, y'all. Uh, blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be broken. We're just gonna keep going through. Anyway. Maybe the audio will come back on. It was on in the beginning, so uh, that's that's kind of strange. Um, and uh, and I'm curious if it's on other platforms. But I don't really feel like checking that right now. I just want to keep going here because we've got a limited. We've got about 10, 15 more minutes. So, hey, if you got questions, uh, Cole Hamilton, appreciate you jumping on. Uh, Kelly, thanks for letting us know that you can hear, but you can't see us. I don't know what's up. It's technology, but 
um, you can hear us. And so we will rejoice in that. Um, oh, we got someone tuning in from Turkey. Good evening from Turkey. Thank you so Good much. Uh, so uh, anyway, before we had this weird technical glitch with the audio or the video, um, we were just kind of talking about this unprecedented impact. Um, and it's really it's led to this weird time where suppliers are sort of carrying a lot of uh, the a lot of the power. And, you know, we're able to go if, if we want to be jerks about it, we can we can go to those companies who were just, you know, jerks to us and say, like, hey, deal with it. Uh, <laughs> you know, here's your price increase. Take it or leave it. Do you want to be on our presses? If you want to do this, then like that's on you. I think it's a really bad strategy, but um, I don't see that many people doing that. I've seen people saying we could, but we really don't want to because they understand that this is not a normal situation. And people, what I'm seeing, most people don't want to take advantage of people because they know in the end when, when this all works out at some point, whenever it does, that yeah. they'll have to come back to those suppliers. People that the companies, I should say, the people that make it through this, the companies that make it through this will be I think they'll be strong players. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, and I just apologize here in the comments. I don't I don't know why the why the screen isn't working, but um, totally agree with you, Camille, that if you are if that if that's been if you're a salesperson, that's been your take. Like, that's a really bad take. And mm -hmm. um, you can't just because you can do my dad used to always tell me all things are permissible. Not all things are beneficial. And mm -hmm. I would say that that is not a beneficial uh, a beneficial thing. So um, it's, it's actually from the Bible, believe it or not, um, okay. from, from the book of, uh, first Corinthians. So, um, you know, I, I think that there are, so, um, I, I guess Camille from, a, from the automotive sector, because that's a, that is a really, it, it's, it's such a massive part of, of our country's infrastructure, right? I mean, not just the creation of, automobiles, but the entire supply chain that goes into that, um, as you are working with a lot of automotive suppliers in the Detroit area, what are you hearing about their struggles when it comes to packaging specifically as these, you know, inflationary pressures, labor shortages, material price increases, material availability, material allocation, all of that is hit at the same time. What are, what are you, uh, what are you seeing with that? So, um, you know, what's interesting, I think one of the great things about automotive is that people in automotive have this can-do attitude. So when something goes wrong, they always have an, a plan B, plan C, plan D. So they probably have plan E right about now. Um, you know, they've seen some, some really crazy things like the, the truck convoy, for example, and how quickly that shut down the Ambassador Bridge. And, you know, when I was growing up, the big three GM, Ford, and Chrysler, they were the big three because they were the biggest companies in the world. So even though other companies have outpaced them from a standpoint of what they ship, you know, hard goods, they're still huge. So they keep it pretty close to the vest when they're, you know, things are shutting down. But I can only imagine that you're seeing, you know, there's got to be contingency planning right now for labels because with the returnables, they use a lot of quick release labels. So the labels get thrown away after every turn and they put a new label on to identify the parts. So the labor shortage uh, is an impact, but then when you add the labels into that with the strike, that is, it's, it's, 
everyone's has to be looking at how are they going to get around that. So, um, you know, I know that, you know, people are saying, hey, you know, instead of using paper backing for your labels, you know, use plastic. So I know we're seeing more of that, even though that goes backwards when you talk about sustainability. But, you know, people will in automotive, they will do what they need to do to make sure that the vehicles get to their customers. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, mm -hmm. And it sounds like, Camille, that the audio has gone out now, too. So uh, there must be some sort of connection issue, but that's fine. We'll we'll just keep going and then I'll post this up there um, okay. as as its own as its own content that okay. people can kind of watch as they go. So, um, yeah, I mean, and and with this, with a lot of these sustainability goals, um, uh, are you Oh, we, we're, we do have a question. So maybe some people can still hear us. So with a lot of these sustainability goals, you know, around electricity and electrifying our grid and um, how are how are automotive companies both innovating and pivoting um, and and but also but and then how is the how is the packaging sort of having to adapt and catch up? Is that is that an area that you have really had to play in? I've seen a little bit more scrutiny over the use of returnables. So returnable packaging has been used you know, as a standard since the 80s in automotive. And that was the go-to. You, even though you do a justification, you might you're going to assume that in, with certain parts you're going to use returnables. But I'm seeing um, reviews of packaging to say should we use returnable or the throwaway expendable packaging, which makes more sense. Not just because of the shortage of material or the cost of material, but also with the cost of fuel. That's actually causing. Um, people to relook at it because you return those containers back now you're returning packaging back that's empty so you're basically sending an empty empty truck back so you know do they want to actually carry the burden of that cost for those truck routes so that goes into the, into the cost of packaging it ties into the whole supply chain so mm -hmm. i think there's people are being they're scrutinizing it more um from the beginning to the end the entire life cycle that's what i'm seeing got it um, and it has, cause I know, I know like, uh, uh, you know, GM and Ford have, have all really pivoted, you know, pretty hard. I just see more and more of these EV vehicles coming out. Um, is, is returnable packaging still kind of an issue with, with that as well? So they are looking at, they definitely are looking at returnable packaging and the returnable packaging suppliers are planning to supply for them. Um, however, I would say they're not at full ramp. And I think that the fuel costs are pushing people to look at EVs. So we're going to see a push, but you know, the, the whole schedule for automotive, you know, they tend to launch new vehicles in the summer. So there's usually going to be a lag. So yeah. I think we're probably going to start seeing more EVs in the next year, two years, and so on going into the future. So I think short term, we're not going to necessarily see a big impact yeah. with the returnables for EV. But, you know, I think they're hoping that we can recover from all of these supply chain labor, packaging, right. material shortages and increases when they are ready to fully ramp up. And I guess that makes sense, you know, because it does take a while, obviously, to produce cars. And so the cars that are coming out now have been in production for a, you know, for for a while. And so the material shortages is specifically for automotive and the allocation and the rising costs 
will will likely impact maybe like next year's releases um if you know for example like people don't think about this stuff but like if you're a if you're a, call it like johnson controls and you're making car batteries and you can't get the material to put the warning label on your battery you could make mm -hmm. the entire battery but you can't sell that thing without that stupid warning label that goes on there um and it's it's a it's a pretty it's a real problem um, yes automotive will put together rework loops so they'll make everything that they can and then they'll stage it and then when they get whatever material they need whether they you know comes by truck or sometimes by helicopter or whatever they'll do whatever it needs they need to do to get it there and they'll go to that staging area and have a whole rework process set up so that they already know what they're going to do so when that material comes in they can process it as quickly as possible. So that I think that's what we're we're seeing more with the from a short term standpoint, you know, vehicles that are already in production and allocating materials for them at that moment. Um, right. It probably impacts, you know, because the manufacturers of the vehicles, the assembly plants, they are more just in time or JIT. And that burden gets pushed onto the tier. So their suppliers and then their sub suppliers, the further into that stream that you go, the more probably more of a burden and more of a responsibility they have to help the final assembly plant manage right. that packaging. Okay. Well, hey, we got a few questions and then we'll we'll kind of wrap this up. And once again, I, I apologize. Everything looks good on our end. Camila and I can see each other. We can see our video. We can hear one another. Um, so, uh, I'll go ahead and post this on LinkedIn as a recorded video, not as a live stream, uh, in case anybody wants to, uh, wants to kind of jump in and interact with that. But got a question here, uh, from our friend in Detroit, Muhammad, he asks some of the plastic packaging materials are not recyclable. So I was wondering, why do we use them? Why can't we use the alternatives that are recyclable? Uh, do you want to start with that one? And he actually had a follow-up question is plastic cheaper than alternatives. Okay, so we'll answer the first, the second question first, and that's the basis of this, the answer to the first question. Yes, plastic is cheaper. So that's thus lies the um, struggle to switch over in, at certain times. Um, so it's not that some plastics are more recyclable. It is about what is available as far as facilities to recycle. You see the same thing actually with compostable materials. So you have to be able to find a facility that can actually process your packaging, whether it's recyclable or compostable or whatever. And then even when you find a recycling facility, you probably want to keep in touch with that facility and find out how do they make that determination? Because if they determine from a, a financial standpoint that it actually is feasible to throw something in the landfill, a load can go in the landfill, you know, so they'll look at it and say, is it are we getting monies back by recycling it? Or does it make more sense financially to landfill it? So you want to probably find out from your municipal waste or your recycling facility, whoever it is, how they make that determination and what their metrics are. Yep. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And yeah, I'll just piggyback off of that. I totally agree that um, the second question does feed into the first question. Um, oftentimes, also, Mohammed, the 
the material that's selected. So for example, flexible packaging is an area that I have, I've worked in before, um, but I'm certainly not an expert in it, but you're dealing with primary, it's both primary and secondary printed packaging. So that product has to uh, not only, uh, it has to protect, or the, the packaging has to protect that product. So your, your water vapor barriers, your oxygen transmission uh, rate barriers, like those things need to be taken into consideration along with printability, appearance, marketing, and branding all on one package. And so oftentimes that material is not going to be recyclable through a normal stream. There are uh, companies like uh, TerraCycle and Recyclops that you can partner with as a brand in order to find an end use for that. Oftentimes it's just downcycling into building materials, but it's still a way to keep it out of oceans and landfills. Um, but certainly material innovation is something that it not only is needed but you look at the the going back to tying that into the supply chain crunch and sustainability we honestly it's really hard to innovate around sustainability right now because we're dealing with labor shortages because we're dealing with material allocation and rising costs and and i'll tell you this as a packaging manufacturer i can't speak for all of them but when we pass on a material cost we are honestly saving in that so um so uh money that could come in for innovation and r&d is becoming less and less because packaging companies who typically do a lot of those innovative r&ds along with brands are are losing not only the people but also the the profits to be able to invest in that not all the way across the board right but for a lot of companies they have been it's it's the the really smart people are now focused on well, how do we change from this label material to that label material, from this liner weight on a box to a different liner weight? Because we're trying to, like, there. It's all a lot of the conversations around that, and and not around sustainability. Similar to the first thing that happened with COVID, which was just how do we get toilet paper on the shelves? Mm -hmm. So, um, very, uh, very great. true, very true, Adam. And you know, another thing I always think about is that plastics. You know, they really took off in the 1960s and early 70s because they were designed to be thrown away. Yep. You know, so inherently you're dealing with something that was designed to be thrown away. And now you're trying to figure out how to recycle it when it it can be recycled. Right. But the infrastructure was not put in, in was not put in place early on. We got a big question here uh, from Dustin, and it's one of my favorites. So he says, how can we steer away from relying on consumers to do the work? It's funny how a conversation about supply chain ultimately ends up talking about sustainability, but it's a, it's a great question. Yes. Uh, you know, with Amazon, they have their uh, their packages, uh, which is a uh, recyclable mono material um, shipping envelope or they have paper. So but it's a, you have to remove the label. It's too hard to remove it. So they don't. Is it still recyclable? And are we relying too much on them for innovations? And that's still kind of with Muhammad's question here that recycling seems like or a comment that recycling feels like a lost goal. Um, what are your thoughts on that first, Camille? Um, OK, I'm, I'm trying not to be the packaging cynic, but um, I think that Part of the reason why we are struggling as a nation with recycling is we are expecting the consumers to manage the end use of the packaging without giving them clear education or instructions or making it easy for them. So 
companies, they want to meet sustainability goals and they'll say, well, like, like Amazon, it is recyclable. However, we're leaning on our customers to, to do something with it. And it's, we, we know that that doesn't always happen. Um, Mm -hmm. As a nation, you know, we were sending our material. I think we hit a, we hit a wall in the early nineties about recycling and, and, how we're going to manage materials. And then the answer was going overseas. Yep. And after sending loads and loads of material and, and including dirty diapers and being warned, please stop sending us the things we cannot recycle for yeah, you. Medical needles and paperboard yes. packaging. Yeah. Yes. We basically lost our privileges with, you know, people that could do that, that we're doing it m- way more efficiently than we could ever do it. And now we're, we're trying to build an infrastructure that we probably should have built. 30, 40, 50 years By the way, uh, let's give a quick shout out here to Danny, who's tuning in from Hi, China, Turkey, China, Detroit, Minneapolis. It's, a, it's, a, it's an international event, even though you can't right. see us and you can't see my glorious smile and my Denver Nuggets hat on. Uh, <laughs> He's wearing it. Because I'm so excited <laughs> that the Nuggets are in the playoffs. But yeah, I uh, um, and I have to contact StreamYard to figure out what's going on. So, um, But I, I totally agree with you that it's 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 a hard it's a hard conundrum because on the one hand brands are being hit with a lot of pressures and there's there's not like every available material is we can't ship everything in like an aluminum container that it can be infinitely recycled because there's not a, the the mining process of aluminum couldn't keep up so you know like we we need paper we need films we need like we need all of the available materials to accomplish this task of managing the fastest growth in human population that this world has ever seen. Um, in the last hundred years, we've added like 6 billion people. The previous hundred years, it was like 500 million people. So we are all trying to rapidly keep up with this. And I'm not saying that's an excuse. It's just the reality of it. Um, and, and so what, what's happening is I think, yeah, maybe it's a little bit unfair, uh, to ask consumers to, you know, to, to take that next step. But on the other hand, it's kind of like, but why not? I mean, and, and I we mean, that, I, I mean that it's like, everybody has to participate in this. And, and, and the brands are a, a little bit hamstrung with the materials that they can use because of the price problems, because of the availability of material problems, because it has to actually function and protect the product. Um, you know, there's not a mono material label and label adhesive and, uh, you know, shipping envelope that can be fully easily recycled. There is one that could be industrially composted, but the industrial compost system is not fully built out in the U.S. It's you'd have to ship it away in a in a shipping container to an industrial mm-hmm. composting facility, likely in order for that thing to be composted. Well, is that any better than just taking off a label, just cutting it off and tossing the label and recycling the bag. So it's not perfect, but it's not, um, it's, it's, I, I, I don't talk to any brands and I'm sure you don't either Camille who are like, we, we want to do worse. Like I, yeah. We, they, everyone wants to do better. And, you know, I'm an analogy person. You already know that Adam. Yeah. Um, I like in this whole scenario to, because the masters are going on in Augusta right now to golf, right? Tiger, you, tiger, tiger, tiger woods, y'all. <laughs> that's, um, that's amazing, right? It's but so- 
Yeah, the you you know when when the golfer goes into their bag, they don't use the same, they don't use their putting. Mm. You know, you know they're not going to use their putter to to tee off or anything like that. And then, you know, they're. I tried once. It doesn't go well. <laughs> right. So you know, it's the same thing with with packaging. You know, every material has a different use. You know, every people I hear people say glass is the best. Well, it's really heavy. So now you're dealing with shipping um, and breakage. Oh yeah, Muhammad. Yes, it it the glass can be costly because of the energy it takes to process it. It takes a lot of energy to melt the material mm -hmm. to get you know your basically your sand to get it into glass. It's, it's heavy, and you got to ship it, and mm -hmm. it comes from sand comes from the you know bodies of water, which can disrupt you know riverbeds, and it, it yes. it's not it's not like it's uh, the glass has a use, right? But it's not mm -hmm. that's not the best glass isn't even curbside recyclable in my area in Salt Lake city. So. Yeah. And see in Michigan, we have, um, we've had a mature bottle deposit process for years. And I've heard people that come to Michigan. They're like, that's not fair that you have to incentivize people to get them to recycle their material, but it, it works. People mm -hmm. bring their cans and their bottles in and they pay for it. So if you don't return it, you are paying an extra 10 cents or 20 cents for it. So you know, per can. So if you get a six pack, you're paying 60, 60 cents extra. So it's enough to be an annoyance, but it's not enough to, you know, it, people, people do it. They just naturally do it. They don't think anything of it. I think if they stop charging, people still do it at yeah. this point. But yeah, there's there, every process has its pros and cons, you know, with aluminum, the rate of what is actually being recycled is much lower than people think yes it can be infinitely recycled however you know look up yeah. the numbers and see what it really looks like well and again you know tying in and and we we can we can wrap it up here but uh you know tying up the the conversation with sustainability and supply chain is like i think the aluminum can uh allocation problem is is it a perfect example of that mm -hmm. so uh if you weren't here at the beginning uh Ball Corporation, I believe, I believe it was Ball. It might have been, it might have been others. Announced a, 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 a price increase per can, and then a giant, like a five X raise in MOQ. So, if you were used to buying a truckload of cans, you now had to buy five truckloads of cans. And so, what that meant is that there was this whole secondary market for bright stock cans. So, if you're a distributor, you just buy five truckloads of bright stock cans. And then you can sell those off to companies who need them. Well, they're not printed any longer. They got to be decorated. So you got to put a film pressure sensitive label on it made out of polypropylene, which is is not great in the aluminum recycling process because mm -hmm. it gets gunked up along with uh, with shrink sleeves. So you're putting a shrink sleeve, you're putting a label on a lot more of these cans, not because the brands are wicked and evil and bad, but because it's their only option. And, and that's causing problems downstream in the recycling. Um, and so these topics, the, the material allocation and supply chain topic and sustainability are really closely linked. And, um, and it's why I try to highlight these things when I can, when it's coming up, when it's timely. Uh, for brands who might be listening to this, I highly encourage you to... You, you have to, if you're buying labels and paperboard and aluminum products right now, you absolutely, if you haven't already, have to be digging in with your current suppliers and be willing to look at secondary, tertiary, and 
whatever the fourth level court cheer. I don't know. Court cheer. Yeah. Whatever that yeah, number you know, is. You right? know what you're talking about. Yeah. You got. You got to have. You, you got to have options. You got to diversify you your to. options right now. Um, and and be willing to to look at some different things. It's going to be a short term price increase. Uh, because you have to diversify, but in the long term, you're going to keep your you're going to keep your lines running. Uh, you're going to keep your employees at least you know employed. You're going to keep your products on the shelf, and and you can't you can't have that happen. Uh, you 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 don't you don't want the the negative side of that to happen, right? Like where you're shutting down production lines, your products not on the shelf. Um, now you have even more supply chain issues because a massive supply chain issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yep. um, really encourage brands to do that. Muhammad, you asked a question here. I live in Salt Lake City, Utah, but I'm from Colorado, home of the Denver Nuggets, playoff bound. Here he goes again. Hopefully yes. time MVP, Nikola Jokic. Good uh, luck. Hey, uh, Camille, why don't you uh, put, put a bow on this thing? How can people get more of you and what you're doing in Indigo Packaging? Sure. So you can email me at Camille, C-A-M-I-L-L-E, at indigopkg.com. That's my email. Again, Camille at indigopkg.com. Or you can go to my website, which is indigopkg.com. So, um, you know, look me up, reach out. If you have a question, you're working on a project. Thank you, Adam. Yeah. And uh, I'm happy to help you because I've worked in a lot of different industries. So, you know, at the very least, I can answer your questions. But this is great, Adam. Yeah. And I apologize once again for the uh, for the audio and video hiccups. We're, we're not we're not professional media people, Camille and I. We are. Uh, um, we Adam's are, close. Uh, Adam's close to it. I, I'm doing my best over here. But uh, Camille is is just a, a treasure trove of information. Mm -hmm. She's a great human being. And encourage everyone to look out. Dustin asked to reiterate the timeline when we can expect the supply to run out. Pressure sensitive labels, the strike is still going on in Finland for paper liners. Um, we're looking at a, a potentially 90 days. Um, and so you've got some time, but it's not a lot to uh, to make sure that you qualify some alternative liners and materials for just for labels. Um, there are also allocation issues on paper and, and other, uh, other materials. Pretty so. much everything. Pretty much everything. Yeah. You're so welcome, Dustin. Thank you everyone who stuck with us through this, uh, through this, uh, non video live event. <laughs> I'll, I'll post it up, uh, so that everyone can watch it. Uh, if you'd like to, uh, mostly to see my, uh, nuggets love, but, um, and also Camille's awesome background and our beautiful indigo, uh, indigo ish background that we have in a yes. scrolling ticker. I went all out. Yes. Streamyard. It looks awesome. So when the people watch it, they will be impressed. Oh, I'm man, impressed. they're going to they're gonna love it. Well, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Thanks, Camille, for jumping on. I uh, appreciate Anytime. it. Thanks for sticking with us. And uh, we'll, 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 we'll stay in touch for sure. Definitely. All right. <laughs> we'll talk soon. All right. Bye. Bye, everyone.
Well, that's it for the news. You can join myself, Corey Connors, and Avelio Matos every Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. Mountain Standard Time on LinkedIn. Make sure you put it into your calendars where we cover uh, news that's being brought to you by Ubuntu. You can get your own newsletter by signing up at sustainablepackaging.io and using code PACKAGING25. You can also get more from Avelio by connecting with him on LinkedIn or listening to the Package Design Unboxed podcast, along with Corey Connors on TikTok at CoreyGated on LinkedIn and also his Sustainable Packaging podcast. If you want to know how you can join us as a sponsor, you can send us all an email at info at incasemedia.com. That is E-N-C-A-S-E-M-E-D-I-A dot com. We'll talk to you next week.